This is Unmind with Great Cloud Michael Elliston Roshi. Updated Noble Path Number Two The Noble Path Four Truths in Four Spheres An Expanding Net of Change Dukkha Reigns Supreme In the last segment we ended with the suggestion that you, dear listener, might construct your own Noble Enfold Path based on your vision of the Noble Truths, with the proviso that you may have to articulate what the existence of suffering means to you and how you might pursue a path to its cessation in modern times. In doing so, you may discover that there are more origins of suffering in your life than simple craving, although craving is not simple. You may also find, upon closer examination, that the cessation of suffering is going to require giving up more than your basic biological cravings, and that your personal path to salvation will have more than eight basic dimensions involved. However, most of the more detailed dimensions and distractions in daily life today will probably loosely correlate to those that the Buddha defined. Let me know if, in the interim, you have thought about this and engaged in the creative exercise I suggested, that you make an attempt to redefine the Four Noble Truths and the Noble Eightfold Path in your own terms. I would be interested to see what you came up with. In this segment, as promised, I will attempt to expand the context further, integrating the original four, as defined by Buddha, with those surrounding spheres of influence that have impact on our daily lives, as well as on our contemporary practice of Zen, including the personal and social we have discussed so far, as well as the natural and the universal spheres. Go to the Unmind webpage to see my diagram of the nesting spheres of influence combined with the Four Noble Truths. The link to the page is in the show notes for this episode. This illustration attempts to paint a picture of the comprehensive context of a modern Zen life and practice of the Eightfold Path, tying together our current, more expansive grasp of the surrounding universe with Buddha's Four Noble Truths. These are the four spheres, those surrounding layers of reality in which we find ourselves enmeshed and are directly or indirectly influenced by in the ongoing management of our lives. The most central is the personal sphere, the next level out being the social then the natural, and finally, the universal. They are not truly separate, of course, but relatively so. Our meditative practice is centered in the personal experience we find on the cushion, the most intimate dimension, inseparable from the other three. Buddha's teaching of the existence of suffering and his charge that we are to fully understand its existence 
we might assume to lie within the innermost circle, the personal. But its true home is in the outermost, the universal realm. After all, nothing anywhere in the universe is exempt from dukkha as the principle of change. Galaxies colliding in outer space are an instance of dukkha. That we are, each and all of us, caught up in incessant change does not reduce dukkha to a merely personal concern, however, from either a positive or negative perspective. We are neither the chosen, most favored beings in this spectacle, nor are we the sole victims. Dukkha is not a respecter of persons. The universal dimension of Zazen includes the physical posture, sinking into a profound stillness which lies at the heart of all motion, captured by the Chan expression, Mokarai, and settling into precise alignment with the field of gravity. The term used to name this profound equilibrium is Samadhi. Zazen Samadhi transcends the personal and social spheres, linking into the natural and universal forces of the planet and the solar system, as we hear in the Chan poem, Hokyo Zamai, Precious Mirror Samadhi. Within causes and conditions, time and season, it is serene and illuminating, so minute it enters where there is no gap. So vast it transcends dimension. A hair's breadth deviation and you are out of tune. Close quote. All change from the most minute in the microcosmos to the outermost reaches of the universe is a manifestation of dukkha which is, however, serene and illuminating. All forms, including solid, liquid, and gaseous states of matter in continual flux, provide examples of the universal impinging upon the personal. Our very life depends upon these three basic states of matter, as well as the functioning principles of organic chemistry or biology, which overlap with the natural. We cannot personally control or negate these influences to any significant degree, but we can come into harmony with them if we tune ourselves to their frequency. The natural origin of suffering. The origin of suffering uh, usually translated as craving or thirst, Buddha taught that we are to abandon, again, as fully as possible. Craving would most logically find its home in the natural sphere, as it comes bundled with sentient life. As attributed to the plant kingdom, for example, to claim evidence of craving may seem a bridge too far, but we describe trees and grasses as thirsty, especially under increasingly common conditions of drought as one result of climate change.
It is even more difficult to defend craving as manifested in the mineral kingdom, those certain chemical reactions, and even the simple dynamic of osmosis, or wicking, via capillary attraction, appears to mimic a form of thirst, admittedly inchoate and unconscious. The main point is that while we tend to own our own feelings of craving, struggling with guilt and other obsessions as a consequence, they are clearly and largely a result of being a physical being, an animal, one endowed with painfully intense self-awareness. Quote, born of body, mouth, and mind is the operative phrase in Buddhism's repentance verse. Most of our suffering comes with the territory, and therefore we are not responsible for it, only for what we do or do not do about it. The natural sphere is not only the macro-environment around us, but also the micro-environment within our body, including the biological, chemical, and electrical processes of breathing, digesting, and the rest of the inconceivable scope of life functions built into existence as a sentient being. It is all changing constantly and subliminally to our typical awareness. The social cessation of suffering. The cessation of suffering, which we are to fully realize, I position primarily in the social sphere, though the most efficacious means for realizing it may reside in the most intimate inner circle of the personal. A transformational event that Buddha identified as a, quote, turning about in the inmost consciousness is tantamount to salvation in Zen. But this is not the salvation of an eternal soul in the afterlife. Personal suffering of aging, sickness, and death, including birth as the leading cause of death, is quintessentially natural. This process follows the Dharma as the natural law of sentient life. It is natural in the psychological sense that we look for personal salvation in the face of such suffering. And it is understandable that we look to the social level of advanced medical treatment, for example, for solutions to mitigate personal suffering. However, in the most fully developed and comprehensive of the Mahayana teachings, the Bodhisattva vow, we find that no one individual can be saved while the rest remain mired in suffering. In Zen, the most central form and cause of suffering is our willful ignorance and resistance. The personal path to cessation. The Eightfold Path, which Buddha challenges us to fully follow, I place primarily in the personal sphere. It forms a bridge to the social, most obviously, but has resonance with the natural and universal spheres as well. 
While the usual linear sequence begins with right view and ends with right meditation, in actual Zen practice, the sequence is reversed. Some sects do not encourage students to meditate until they have some grounding in doctrine. Zen subscribes to the sink or swim approach, trusting the practice of upright seated meditation to have an immediate positive effect, encouraging followers to do follow-up research to clarify their experience. Engaging fully in right meditation, the practice of right mindfulness and right effort will follow naturally. These three comprise right discipline. This necessarily begins in the personal sphere of practice experience on the cushion, but mindfulness and effort obviously carry over into the social realm. Right speech, action, and livelihood, taken together as right conduct, are most engaged in the social sphere though our actions and livelihood clearly affect the natural realm, as in examples of mismanagement of resources. Finally, right view and right thought, when combined, comprise right wisdom in the threefold path, complementing right discipline and conduct. Wisdom consists in the evolution of our worldview to approximate that of the Buddha, or Buddhism, through trial and error, engaging the other dimensions of the Eightfold Path. The inseparability of personal, social, natural, and universal. Dividing the path into digestible bites does not imply that such separations are absolute. All diagrams are Venn diagrams to a degree whether of Buddhist teachings or other areas of human endeavor. The personal cannot be separated from the social, the natural, or the universal in reality. Nor can wisdom, conduct, and discipline, whether right or wrong. The natural sphere entails stewardship of the environment, including the survival of the species. Extinction of species in the ecosystem as a result of insensitivity to long-term consequences and callous disregard for the sake of short-term profit becomes very personal in terms of its impact on individuals, social and its effect on whole communities. Exhaustive mining of mineral resources provides another example of the connection between our personal needs and the dictates of nature writ large. The most direct and obvious solution to the social and natural, quote, tragedy of the commons is for each individual to reduce craving on a personal level. Zazen, which seems to be personal, disengaged navel-gazing, is actually the most direct gate to the social natural, and universal dimensions of our existence. When we leave the cushion and re-enter the fray, the benefits of our practice come with us. Please examine this thoroughly in practice. Thank you, Dogen.
Unmind is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at aszc.org. You can support these teachings by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashou.